Hi, my name is Jenny Donnelly, and this is Shauna Danberg. And we're so excited that you are here for Don't Mess With Our Kids podcast. This is hosted by Her Voice Movement, and we're so excited about you joining this grassroots movement. Listen, there are a lot of women of every age, and especially mama bears, that are saying enough is enough because the attack on our kids has gone way too far. So there's many of you out there that are wondering, what can I do? We are going to invite you to join this movement. And you can do this in a couple of very simple ways. You could just share this podcast. That would be one way. But also... We want you to mark off April 13th, 2024, and we're asking you and your family to stand in your state capitol. You can pray with us and make a real difference as we even discuss reformation strategies to change culture, because how many of you know we really need a change right now? And then ultimately, the big call is for 1 million women and her family to stand all together. 1 million of us, Shauna, that's a bunch a lot of us, to stand in one historical day in Washington, D.C. at the National Mall. Now, a lot of people ask, what in the world can one day do? How are we actually going to make a difference? Well, that is why we are calling this a movement. It's not an event. We're calling women and men and families to pray, and we have a structure for that for those of you that need it on the website, don'tmesswithourkids.us. Or you can go to hervoicemovement.com and read more about how to be a part of a prayer hub. So there's lots to talk about. We'll put more in the show notes, but we're so happy that you're here today. And we want to discuss today, right off the bat, Shauna, the discussion today, and we're going to keep it pretty short, but we thought it was important to talk about the church. Now, when we say church, we don't mean the building. We don't mean your 10 a.m. service. We don't mean your Saturday night service or your young adults or your youth. (laughs) We're talking about us. We are the church. We're talking about the church at large. And we want to talk about where we are in time. And you're going to hear this a lot. You're going to hear about the Esther network. You're going to hear about gathering the Esters. You're going to hear about the Mordecais. We need the Mordecais. And you might think, okay, is this all just really poetic language or what is going on? So Shauna, I want to talk today just a few minutes about the book of Esther. Because when you look at the book of Esther, you can kind of look at where we are right now. Okay, so stop me at any point. We're going to talk about some stuff. It's going to be great. So in the book of Esther, if you've never read this book or if you've read it many times, read it again because it's so incredible to look at the parallels of where we are right now. So Esther was an orphan. They say she was around 14 years old. So her parents have died. That means she's 100% traumatized being an orphan, right? That's obviously very difficult on her, but her cousin Mordecai adopts her. Thank God for Mordecai, right? Right. Here's the man that come along to protect her, provide for her, to accept her. And then the king at the time, who is not a Jew, who's not a believer in Yeshua God or um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which would be the God of Israel, the Jews. He is the king at the time. He has a wife named Vashti and the king calls for Vashti and Vashti refuses to come. That completely embarrasses him and humiliates him. And so he's advised to kick her out. So he kicks out his wife. Vashti's gone. She's out of the story. Now he's looking for a new wife somewhere in all of the land. You know, where's this woman that's going to be my wife basically is what he's saying. So they bring in virgin girls from all over. Well, they bring Esther in. Her name is actually Hadassah at the time. Hadassah is a Jewish name, and Mordecai did not want her 
nation nationality her um, as a Jew to be exposed. They yeah. didn't want anybody to know she was a Jew. Right. Because since the beginning of time, Jews have been the ones that have been um, oppressed, hated, that kind of thing, because they're God's chosen people. Right. And so anyway, she goes in, does one year of beauty treatments with other girls and turns out that she becomes the one chosen by the king. And that's an amazing day for her, right? Yeah. She's chosen She's as the queen, queen right? And her name is Esther because Esther is not a Jewish name. It means the star, right? Mm. And when I look at Esther, I was thinking about this episode. I was thinking about Esther, E-S-T, capital H, capital E, capital R, her. I want to emphasize the her because I think that that is referring to the church right now. Right. Yeah. She's sort of like a representation of the church. Yeah. Right. This minute. Yeah. Us as a body collectively. I'm not talking about your church you attend. I'm talking about all of us together. So as we look at a few points here, I want us to look at Esther as representing the church and giving us instruction and maybe giving us clues about what we need to do yeah. and not do. Right. Yes. So lots of insight. Lots of insight. Exactly. So jump in here and interrupt me at any time if you have something. But here's Esther. She's in the palace. Phew, I made it. I am. I have arrived in my palace. I mean, that's a girl's dream right there. Okay. Just in time for Mordecai to totally ruin her comfort. Shoot. Yep. Here comes Mordecai. Now he can't go into the palace. He's not allowed in the palace, but he's outside the gate. And he finds out that a decree has gone forth, which is a law. A law has gone forth mm -hmm. that all of the Jews are going to be annihilated, killed, yeah. done for. They're done. Mm -hmm. He takes sackcloth and ashes, which is what the Jewish people would do. They would grab sackcloth and ashes, actually put them over. They would tear their clothes. They would go into the streets and they would cry out to God. They would grieve because of the distress, Yeah, the, the grief, right? So I want to go to chapter four here and let's look at this. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He's, by the way, publicly doing this. Now, this is an unusual. Other people do this as well. This is what they do. They cry out to God. They come out of the hiding and they basically lose their dignity and put on these certain clothes that say, we are in grief. Collectively. Collectively. And we're surrendering God. Yeah. We need you, God, yeah. or we're in big trouble. Yes. Now, this is important yeah. because we need to see what Esther does here. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth because it wasn't very dig – the dignity in wearing sackcloth and ashes wasn't there, so you can't go beyond beyond that spot. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So we see this public display of crying and grieving. This is going to be really important for the days to come because, Shauna, God has called a million women and their families yeah. to stand publicly in Washington, D.C., and also at the capitals. We talked about that in the beginning. And this might be new for some people mm -hmm. because we're actually getting it on our knees. We're going to repent. We're going to cry out to God publicly right. to say, God, if you don't come, if you don't reverse what's happening in this nation, we're done for. Mm -hmm. 
We do not want to lose your blessing. We do not want to lose you in this nation. That's right. We're desperate for you. And I think about Jeremiah 9, where it says death has climbed through our windows, but here's the solution. It says this, send for the wailing women, the wailing, the travailing, the tears. I heard Bob Jones say this, or somebody said, Bob Jones said this, he's since passed away, but he said that let the tears come because the tears break the witchcraft. Woo. Lots of witchcraft over the nation right now. That's right. So here is Esther's response to her cousin. A type of church, yep. church's response is how we're kind of connecting it. Exactly. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. He would not accept it. Mm-hmm. When I read this the other day, I just felt the Lord say the first response of the church, of the distress of the nation has been to, come on, pull yourself together. Okay, we don't need to be that dramatic. We don't need to be looking at what's happening and have a response that is so emotional. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? Like, pull it together. Yeah. Because Mordecai is very dramatic right now. But Mordecai understood the principle of taking your grief and letting everybody see it. And being in such a place of an undignified, humiliating, mm-hmm. I'm laying myself in the street and saying, God, mm-hmm. if you don't come, we're in big, big trouble. Right. And so this is where we are, Shauna. We're in a place right now where as the church, I'm talking about myself, I'm talking about you, we could respond this way. We could say, really, they're going to Washington, D.C. They're going to the capitals. You guys, seriously, it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fine. Get mm-hmm. up. You know, wipe your face. Yeah. Put your makeup on. Get back out there and just be awesome. Right. But Mordecai knew. Yeah. No, we're done for. Yeah. He was desperate. Yeah. So that's one of the first responses that we might be tempted to have. I'm just thinking about the gentleman. I think I told you the story that my sister and I ran into on the plane. We sat next to on the plane. Yes. And when we told him, he asked us why we were going to St. Louis. You know, we were going to the first freedom tour. And we told him about Washington, D.C. and what we were doing. And he was just, he was horrified that we would. He said, why would you waste? You guys are, you know, so full of energy. And I don't believe he was a believer. So he had different terminology. But he's like, you guys are just so amazing. Why would you waste the time, the energy, the money to do something like that? Like, what of waste? This isn't a big deal. It was kind of his thought. And I remember us just going, okay, he doesn't recognize what's going on. He doesn't recognize that it's climbed through the windows. He doesn't recognize maybe that's what was happening with Esther for a second. It was like somehow, some way she thought she was going to escape what was happening. And I think a lot of times that a lot of times right now we're seeing the church sort of go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And we're going, wait a minute, maybe. And I think as you go through the story, it exposes a little bit more. Yeah, because she actually didn't know that the decree went out. Yeah. She just saw the distress and said, okay, you need to stop that. Yeah. Right. But we said this in the other episode that if I'm in my bedroom, you're in the kitchen, you come running in, Jenny, get out of the house, the kitchen's on fire. And I say to you, oh, I'm so glad it's not the bedroom on fire, but thanks for letting me on. I'm so glad you got out of the kitchen, Shauna. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like, no, it's coming. Yeah. Right? But she didn't know that. But she hears this from the messenger. The messenger, Haytok, he actually gives Esther a message and says, Esther, 
things are looking really bad. There's been a decree. All the Jews are going to be killed on this certain day. And she realizes, whoa, this is true. And then Hey Talks message says, but Mordecai is sending you an urgent message, Esther. Okay, remember this is the church. You need to go before the king and let him know what's going on, that you are a Jew. Mm -hmm. So you are one of the people that is going to get killed. And maybe the king will reverse the decree. Maybe he'll take off the decree. Maybe he'll do something that will cause this not to happen. And she responds in a certain way. (laughs) And this also could be where we are. She says, Mordecai sends the message back. I can't essentially, you know, you can read it for yourself word for word, but she essentially says, I can't because it's illegal. Mm -hmm. I can't just go to the king. By law, I have to be summoned. I have to be called for. And if I go before him, he hasn't called me for 30 days. Right. So she's totally intimidated by this. Speaking of a spirit of intimidation, we went over that in our last episode, but a spirit of intimidation says, you better not. It's against the law. That sounds kind of familiar, Shauna. According to 2020, 2021, it's against the law. Is it against the law? Yeah. Well, for her, it was. So she sends back this message. I can't. I'm so sorry, Mordecai. You know, whatever, however she, you know, she's like, I can't. It, 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 no, he's, if I go and approach him, he could cut my head off. You saw what happened to Vashti. I'll be, I could be banished. So in 413, and this right now, I feel like this is where we are as the church. We are in Esther 413. Now, I love 414. 414 is a very famous scripture, right? It's like, you know, you can't stay silent at a time like this. Um, if you do, then, you know, God will raise up somebody from somewhere else to save the Jews, but you won't make it, you know? But in 4.13, this is Mordecai's response to Esther's I can't, okay? And she had a good reason to say she couldn't because it was illegal. Yeah. And she she would die, okay? He says to her, Esther, don't think that just because you're in your palace, you're going to escape the destruction of the Jews. He basically said this, Shauna, "Um, Esther, you're already dead. Mm -hmm. Because in her mind... She thought, we know this from reading this, Esther was thinking, well, that's too bad that all of that mayhem is happening out there. That's too bad that California is experiencing that. That's too bad that Oregon and Washington have those crazy laws. You know, thank goodness I'm in a state that those crazy laws are not here. See, some of us have a palace. We might live in a state that has been more conservative in nature and they're not allowing some of this stuff to come in. Well, that's what Esther thought. Esther thought the decree would only, and it's a spirit, right? So the spirit to annihilate the Jews, that thing won't make it past the palace walls. And so Mordecai says, no, Esther, you're wrong. The palace won't save you. Only the king can save you. Come on, church. Come on, church. We might have a palace. We might say, you know what? This is so awesome that you guys are going to go to Washington, D.C., but I have my church. I mean, I'm a pastor or I have my homeschool, so it'll never come into my, you know, it'll never climb through my windows, or I have a business, it's going really, really well. I could never take my eyes off of it. And so I'm so sorry that all of America might experience trauma, but I'm just so happy that I have such a strong Instagram following that I won't get touched by this. Like we build our palaces. We tend to think, Shauna, that our things 
are our protection. Right. Our enterprises are are whatever's, even the things that God's given us, right? That's right. We have success in things. She had experienced massive success. She got picked as the queen, right? Mm -hmm. So this is where we are. If you are listening to this and you would say that you are a follower of Jesus, then you are the church. And I would challenge you right now to ask the Lord, have I put my trust in even the blessings that you've given me? Have I put my trust in assignments? Have I put my trust in my family? Have I put my trust in my reputation? Have I put my trust in my influence and my following? Have I put my trust in my own fear? Like somehow if I just huddle up in the corner and don't look, then it won't reach me. Okay. So we, I, I had to be confronted by this, Shauna. Sure. I had to be confronted by this. Um, and God just said to me, Hey, Jenny, all these blessings that I've given you ministry, family, and all this stuff, this is of me. But right now America is in a very, very bad place. And could it be that all those things, the longevity of them, the future of them are actually hinging on where America goes in that's the right. next year. Yeah. That's so exactly right. I just had a sobering Esther moment. I had a 413 moment. And now we get to move on to 414 where Mordecai talks about you can't be silent right now. And then Esther says, you know, okay, well, if I die, I die. I used to think that was really noble of her to say that, which I'm not saying she wasn't noble. I thought she was just saying it out of sheer bravery. Yeah. But what I think she did, Shauna, now that I've really read this differently, I've put read two it. two and two together. Yeah, she put two <laughs> and two together. And she said, okay, so what you're saying, Mordecai, is I'm I'm also going to die too. So if I don't go to the king, I'm definitely dead because of the decree because I'm a Jew. And they're going to find out my my nationality. I'm done. For sure. So then she says, okay, um, so if I go to the king, I have a smidgen of a chance yeah. that we might be able to pull this thing off mm -hmm. and the Jews won't be annihilated. So I think she looked out at Shauna and said, okay, so if I die before the King and he banishes me or cuts my head off or whatever, if I die, then look at my other alternative. I died there anyway. Right. So if I die, I die. That's right. You know, looking at these two options. And I like that because I do like things, you know, when God will let me <laughs> like God make this make sense, yeah. right? Why does it make sense to put a million on the mall? That did not make sense to me initially until I saw what was happening in the family, what I saw was happening with the kids. And then I went, oh my goodness, if we don't stand up in the face of this thing, this spirit is a monster. It will tear apart families. Did you know, I just heard this, Shauna, that there are more families that don't have a mother and a father in our nation right now. Like, like the mother-father unit of a family is now less than what doesn't have that. that. Have and the wow. strength of a nation is our families. Wow. Wow. That's really, really hard to hear. And that's really challenging to hear, but that's also a call to action. And I think that's really what we see in this story that we're currently in is that God is calling us to act and he's calling us to, you know, we, I, we've ta been talking about our tagline because we talked about that in the yep. first episode, but praying, fasting, standing, and that all of all three of those things happened in the book of Esther. All three of those That's things right. happened. They prayed, they fasted, and Esther had to go and stand, right? And we know the end of the story. And so she actually went before the king. He put out his scepter, and there was a series of events. There were banquets, but he essentially said, whatever you, know, whatever you want is yours. 
And so they did not kill the Jews and they did come into power. I don't know if that's an important part of the story that you want to unfold anymore. For sure. Well, I think it's important to know because after I read Esther four and five, I was like, wow, this thing has a lot more chapters. What else happens here? You know, because Haman, the one responsible for wanting to kill the Jews, he actually gets um, hung on his own gallows that he set for the Jews. He actually gets hung on his own trap. That's what God does to the enemy when we stand. And Side note, Esther did not say, tell everybody to pray, everybody to fast, because I'm going to ask an angel to come to the king and tell him what's (laughs) going on or have his servant tell him because he's there every single day helping him. So maybe his servant could tell him. But no, it came down to Esther. It came down to the church. She was the one that had to stand in the face of losing her life. You know, and I know that's not a very popular message with the church is you might have to not love your life. And, and, you know, unto, unto death. death. But you know what, Jenny, it actually goes back to the very beginning because when Jesus went to his disciples before he went up to be with the father, he had died on the cross. He had risen from the dead. He had wa- been on the earth for a little while. And then he went to his disciples right before he ascended. And he said, you guys, and it wasn't just to them. It was to him and all of us, all of his believers. He said, you guys are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. And that word witnesses means martyr. It actually means martyrs. And so he called us from the beginning to be willing to give our lives. That's right. Physically and our very lives. You can have my time. You can have my family. You can have. And so for us to not be willing to pray fast and stand is really indicative of what do we believe? That's right. What actually do we believe and what is our faith about? And so I think it's important to know that that's not a new concept. That's an old concept that I think we're bringing back to the forefront. Big time. Well, what I love about the book is when we read the story, which by the way, was a real story. This isn't like a, you know, a script that will be a Disney movie someday, right? This is, this is, this really happened. But, um, and amazing movies have been made about it. But Mm -hmm. all that to say is we have a story where, there's this terrible thing happening and we're in the terrible thing happening right now, but God used a woman. He wants to use the church to stand up right now. And then as I'm reading these further chapters and I'm like, Whoa, they didn't just stop at Haman being hung. They hung Haman and his 10 sons. And then, okay. So those guys go down, his whole family goes down, but that's not the exciting part. I mean, that had to happen. The exciting part is that the Jews fought and they won for their own lives. They were they were able to, they gave a decree that they could fight all they wanted and they won. But here's the thing. They came into their authority. Yeah. They came into their rightful identity. And it says that people feared them so much that they joined them. So they had a massive conversion of people who put their faith in God. Mm-hmm. And so this whole thing ends not with us just going, phew, okay, well, we got back to round zero, guys. Yeah. No, this whole thing if we come together, overturned. Yep, it's going to be overturned and we're going to see our nation mm-hmm. turned back mm-hmm. to God, not just our own families. Yeah. I think that we need to challenge everybody. I was challenged by this. I need to care beyond my four walls. I care That's about right. my four walls. I care about my legacy. I care about my future grandchildren, but I also care about what our nation looks like culturally yeah. because eventually that culture of our whole mm-hmm. nation affects yeah. our family. It just it weaves into each other. Well, and it's going to take action. So I know we are hitting it hard on the pray fast stand thing, but I think that it's, it's, it's important that we recognize Jenny, that 
you know, my Bible study has been studying the book of James. And in the book of James in chapter two, he says that faith without works is dead. That's right. And here's James. James was the half brother of Jesus. So he was, you know, they had the same mom, but not the same dad, <laughs> but he grew up with Jesus. But as he got older, he watched Jesus die on the cross. He absolutely believed that Jesus was the son of God. And what had happened was he was leading all of these churches because the book of Acts happens and the, you know, the gospel is just exploding everywhere. And there's all of these churches, but they were under so much persecution that they had to scatter. And so they were, they were being persecuted. They had lost their money. They had lost family members. They had, I mean, they weren't together. And so it was a, it was a dramatic time. It was a very scary time. And so James comes in, and if you've ever read the book of James, it is so potent. He is just like black and white in your face, but it was because the message had to be that strong because That's of right. what they were going through. And so he says to them, faith without works is dead. And as my Bible study and I were talking about this, we were talking about how you know, you can be on either side of the ditch, right? You right. can be on the work side or you can be on the faith side. And we are, we are kind of digging into what works are and what faith is. And there's the scripture that says that faith is the assurance of evidence and, and things hoped for that aren't seen, you know, so we know what faith is, but then there's that scripture that says that works are like filthy rags. That's and right. it was actually you, Jenny, the first time I ever heard it this way, that when it talks about filthy rags, it's actually talking about what you would catch your period with. Right. Okay. And we're, we're a transparent group here. Yes. We're just going to talk about it. And so these filthy rags was that, well, what happens when you have your period, you have your period because an egg came down and it had the opportunity to produce life, but the sperm, and that's the faith in this mm -hmm. situation, mm -hmm. the sperm didn't get to the egg. And so that egg didn't produce any life and it that's actually right. just got discarded. It fell onto the filthy rag and is just easily tossed in the garbage. So our deeds, so our deeds without faith, without faith are as, as filthy rags. And yet our faith without deeds or without work is dead. That's and right. Because it takes faith and um, works together to produce life. And so I think it, when we look at so praying, good. fasting, and standing, we're looking at how to produce life. We're looking at how to produce fruit and how to actually change the nation, but we have to move. There has to be action in play. And I think that that's what you see in the book of Esther is that even though she kind of had her excuses and her reasons along the way, finally, she came to the place where she decided to act. That's right. We look at the life of Jesus and I'm so glad that he did not just pray and fast mm -hmm. and then expect people to find him up mm -hmm. on the you know hill talking to the Lord. Because he did. He went away to pray. He fasted, but then he went out. And what happened was he was praying and fasting to fill up, to become aligned with God, to, to make sure that he was in alignment so that he could go out. And so I think that there is an opportunity for the church to come under some beautiful reconstruction, right? It looks messy at first. If you reconstruct your kitchen, if you remodel something in your home, it becomes a disaster before it ever looks better. Yeah. And sometimes in the church, I think that we might think that our church is reduced to a service, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, come inside the church and this is this is Christianity. Well, I see it as, no, we're coming together. We're iron sharpening iron. We're hearing the word of the Lord. We're hearing testimonies. We're celebrating. We're getting full of the presence. We come into high praise. It's just electric. It's amazing. Right. 
And then guess what? We go out. We go out because the power um, of the Holy Spirit is inside of us. It's not for us just to keep and enjoy. It's un, you know, it's the light under the bowl, right? That's right? Just to keep to ourselves. It actually, even as I'm talking about it, it just feels ridiculous to even think that that would be what we what we would aim for. And I know mm-hmm. we're not aiming for that, but I think that God is um, He's calling the church, you and I, out to speak up, to stand. Whether it's a single conversation with somebody where we need to speak to them in love, and you can't fake that. You can't just be like, "Here, let me tell you the truth, slap you around, and then you know, pretend right. I love you." You really have to know that that person is a beloved of God. God cares about them, even if they're in sin, even if they disagree with what you believe in. But anyway, we have to come into that place where we are um, able to speak to their heart. We're able to stand for the truth, even if they don't believe what we believe, right? Right, And then love them along the way. And I think we can do it. I really do. But I don't Mm -hmm. think we'll do it hiding inside a church service only. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to dishonor any pastors. We are pastors of a church. We have a church. We are very invested in our Sunday services and in our community, right? Mm -hmm. But let's not forget what we're here to do and is to go out into the world is to occupy until he comes. So I'm so excited about this conversation um, continuing. We have so many people that we are going to be interviewing from here and it's going to, it's going to light you up. It's going to excite you. And I'm so grateful that God has brought these incredible people. I'm kind of amazed at all the people that are coming into these interviews. It's really going to be amazing. So you guys, thank you so much for joining us at Don't Mess With Our Kids. It's been awesome to have you. And just make sure that you mark on your calendar April 13th, 2024 to stand at your state capitol. This is an opportunity for you to stand. And I'm positive you will have other opportunities to stand as well. And we will catch you on our next episode. Take care and God bless.